Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. All right, here we go. Hi, everybody. I am Rebecca Jones, a.k.a. Misinformational, and we are joining you today for our weekly podcast with Dr. Cindy Banyai. How are you, Cindy? Hey, I am great. I am fed. I'm not quite like the meme where it's like moisturize, drinking water, in my lane, flourishing. I had some lunch, so it's a step <laughs> in the right direction. Like the Snickers commercials. More like so, Yeah, I know. So I was thinking that we could start after talking to a couple people attract disinformation and starting off each episodes with the trending topics among the inauthentic accounts, the foreign influence accounts, bots, trolls, etc. on Twitter. So it'd be a good thing to say today, this is what people with bad intentions want Americans talking about or want them to think or feel. On any given day, the top 20 are related to Bitcoin in some way or another. It's almost always promoting Bitcoin. Today, though, the fake accounts that are trying to get Americans divided, angry, almost all have to do with the shooting at the school yesterday, Joe Biden and Democrats. They are- That's the Nashville school shooting at the Christian school? Yes. So the first, one of the top ones is Dementia Joe. That one pops up quite a bit. Trans terrorism. Democrats are destroying America is another one. I got a fly in here. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> Trudeau is oftentimes trending for bad reasons, which is interesting. Christian lives matter is another one that's trending. And a lot of F Joe Bidens and things like that. So that is what most of the inauthentic accounts are putting that's the most frequently used hashtags right now for inauthentic accounts on Twitter, attacking Joe Biden, attacking trans people, things like Christian Lives Matter, which is probably, I'd have to go through and look at each instance of it, a reference to the fact that it was a Christian school, school. that was shot up. Crimea is also trending, which is interesting. So I'm going to have to figure out, <laughs> out why Russia wants us talking about Crimea. But yeah, so the, a lot of that is centered around the mass shooting yesterday. So we should discuss that more than 90% of mass shooters are white men, white men. We seem to never be able to point that out when it happens. Yet when a man shoots up a Christian school who is a trans man, all of a sudden the fact that he's a trans man matters, but not the fact that most of these mass shootings are committed by straight white men. And, um, yeah, I actually just looked at the some data related to this as well. It's estimated that the instances of mass shootings committed by a trans person are 0.04%, which is actually less than the estimated percentage of the population. So trans people are statistically less likely to commit the aggressors, and yeah. they are one of the most likely groups to be the victims of, a, of criminal activity, of violence, crimes, yeah. of assault and all other types of horrible things. Highest it's, rate of suicide amongst yeah. any demographic. Yeah, they are the likelihood of being harmed as a person who is trans versus 
being an aggressor or somebody's harming others is so disproportional that I'm sure they know that too. And that's the thing is they have to know that somebody has listened at some monkeys online like Marjorie Taylor. Well, I'm Green. talking about what about the Congress people? There have been congressional testimonies where people have stated these essential facts and they're just choosing to ignore them. They do. They choose to ignore it because they don't care about the facts. They care about the narrative. Hey, your buddy. UF Uber Jet was just quoted as saying gun violence is not is just happened. So I made a little quip about that saying if we can find UFOs, surely we can figure out a, a way to stem gun violence. <laughs> you got called Tim Burchett about that one. Damn, My good was buddy him. Tim. It was he him. actually he's going viral right now because he flat out said on camera, we're not gonna fix it. Exactly. And uh, I've always said Tim is different. Tim is very different. He didn't say that in the necessarily in the context of it can't be fixed. He just said that there's no motivation for any for Congress or anybody else to actually change the laws to do anything about it. They're not well, going to do it. Not going to do it. Criminal. Stop asking me to do it is basically what he said. And I was like, Tim, your honesty is something else. He's different. He's a weirdo. He's upset. If you don't, if you haven't heard me, Tim Burchett is the running gag of this whole like series. <laughs> if you haven't heard me mention Tim Burchett, he's the guy who got right, really close, uncomfortably close to Matt Gates's face during the right. speaker debacle in the beginning of the year and made some kind of ominous threat that made Matt Gates make a poopy in his pants. And after that, Matt Gates went to the bathroom, he came back and he changed his vote. And it, everybody wants to know what Tim Burchett said to him, but he's also this creep who's obsessed with UFOs, like he's super obsessed with UFOs all the time. He is a MAGA kind of far right guy, but he does some common sense things occasionally that most people in his party will not do or concede. It's, he's a weird guy. He had mutton chops for a while. He's a Tennessee Republican. So it's a lot going on there. Wow. I give Tim Burchett a follow on Twitter. He posts some interesting <laughs> To say the least things. Hey, I do, have a, I do have a serious question for you. So you're saying that there, you're talking about these top trending hashtags, right? How do we find this information? How did you know about this? I have a friend named Chris Boozy. He's actually the founder of Spotable, which is the fastest growing alternative site to Twitter. It's the most like Twitter as well. He runs this company called Bot Sentinel. That's entire operation is basically tracking hate campaigns online. So like he tracked and exposed Amber Heard's hate campaign, which was mostly funded by Johnny Depp himself. He does Megan and Harry and a couple other ones. He's the guy who figured out that Ron DeSantis bought about 100,000 bot accounts within a two-day span last April to artificially boost his campaign on Twitter. So he's a data genius. And if you go to bot sentinel, I think it's .com, let me make sure. If you Google Bot Sentinel, it'll come up. It's .com. They have trending topics, trending phrases, and this is stuff that you can find among inauthentic accounts, which they analyze based on user activity, account creation date, types of posting. They rate accounts by how disruptive versus how normal they are, which can be everything from the range of topics that they post about, how much of their tweeting is just retweeting or commenting or... Mm -hmm how often they do it, how much they do it. And so that's, it's this whole data enterprise. It's a really useful tool. You can install an extension on your browser so that every time you log into Twitter, you can see what that person's or that what that account's disruptive rating is. And if they're a really bad actor, they just, their entire tweet will show up in red. And I don't even read those. I just 
that way when you're like reading comments and stuff you skip those because you know that they're not real people their accounts they're just to piss people off hurt people drive division spread misinformation and so it makes it a really easy tool to navigate the authentic hmm. authenticity of accounts online so basically you're there's there is this account this tool that looks through to see whether or not the tweets are coming from authentic accounts and monitors this so you can look and see. So you're getting these hashtags because they are the ones that are most being pushed by these fake accounts. Yes, exactly. Okay, and uh, they have a whole lot of reports. You can hire them to do tracking for you if you have a lot of money, but you could also just join Spoutable, which has all of these features automatically built into oh. it. And it doesn't have the kinds of crazy Twitter terrorism that I and so many others have been subjected to. I was at the end of my rope yesterday with it. My sister went into labor early last week and yeah. everything was fine for like the first few days. And then the baby started having trouble breathing. It got to the point where they had to airlift her to a specialized NICU. And when she got there, her oxygen levels were dropping still. Things are okay right now. They seem stable. But I was just trying to find a way that any normal person could to help my sister out and realize that I can't really do those things because whatever I do is going to be attacked. And I didn't want to rope in my sister who's going through the worst thing imaginable for a parent with her first child. And is also like the nicest and kindest and most selfless person I've ever known, invite that into her life. And of course, the people that I was mentioning showed up and started harassing everyone. They started, one of them, there's a lawyer who was commenting, one of them just shared sympathy and said, I'm really sorry for what you're going through. He, one of my stalkers, Dan Goldwasser from California, looked her up, found her bar license number and her threatened to report her to the bar just for being sympathetic to one of my, to this post about my sister's baby being a NICU and how I felt helpless to help her because anything I do is going to be tracked and mocked and they'll be threatened. And I just don't, it's not right that I can't just do normal people things to help my sister, like set up a meal chain that would have my name attached to it in my sister's home address. I can't do that. Yeah. Any normal person could just do that and not have to worry about their sister being threatened or getting death threats in the mail or somebody showing up to their house. I can't do normal people things like that, even though I'm a normal person. And that's what my post was about. And sure enough, they all show up and start exhibiting exactly why I can't do that. Tracking down people who were expressing just sympathy for the situation and threatening their careers. It's insane. Yeah. Then today I read that article. I can't remember if it was the New York Times or Washington Post about how the anti-vaxxer movement online, when they find out that children die, just do the same thing to the parents of these dead children and how ruthless it is. And Twitter is the platform of choice for these people because Twitter doesn't do anything about it. It's really heartbreaking. But that was a really good piece. And then actually there was another one today by the post that I should caution. I just shared it as a major trigger warning. There are graphic reconstructions of what an AR-15 does to a person's body. Yeah. One of those reconstructions is of a real child who was killed at Sandy Hook. And I was not actually prepared to see that animation. Fully, honestly, I think I, I went like this and I stopped for a second because I was familiar with Noah and his case and his final injuries. He was shot 
many times but once in the face and so it is very graphic but i think that makes it all the more important to go through it to really real because i read the whole sandy hook report i was taking a crisis communication at lsu class when i was in grad school and so I read the report. I've known what an AR-15 does to a child's body and can completely dismember it like some of the kids in Sandy Hook. To see it like played out like that as a first, especially among a mainstream kind of media outlet and very scary. And when you get to the end of it, it tells you exactly how long you spent reading that article and looking at those pictures. And for me, it was about two minutes and I think 30 seconds. And it was like it took two minutes and three seconds for the San Bernardino killer to kill like 14 people and injure 24 more. In the time I spent reading that article. And it's very unnerving, but I would suggest that people read it if they can and have time. Yeah, that's similar to actually before the Nashville shooting, there was a Uvalde parent who was going viral. This man was talking about his son Uzi who was killed in the Robb Elementary shooting that was less than a year ago, by the way, just to put that in our mind too, how, like how we're so inured to it because it happens so frequently, right? Yeah. But he was going viral just for how raw his own testimony or his own speech was about losing his son. And he got tattooed the on his back. And that's what everybody, he was showing everybody the size of the hole that was blown into his son's body by the AR-15. And that was pretty shocking, but that was making its rounds even before the Nashville shooting this week. And I think you're right that people need to know what really happens here because the defense of that the NRA and all these pro-2A people go is, oh, there's no difference. There's no difference between an AR-15 and a long, it's a long rifle and it's blah, blah, blah. It's really, they make it out like it's just this kind of souped up, fancy looking handgun. Just complete horseshit because if that was the case, they wouldn't be clamoring to do it. There wouldn't be bumper stickers with it. It's a it's something that's gotten this cool presence amongst that far right misogynistic set because it makes them feel cool and powerful. They've turned it into a symbol and an icon. And it's not because it's just the same as a handgun. It's because it's far more powerful. And it's really hard to ignore because we look at data here at this podcast as well. But it's really hard to ignore that the significant uptick in mass shootings using assault style rifle rifles in particular since the end of the assault rifle ban in what 2004 it's just it's just mind-blowing right that that we've we allowed that legislation to pass republicans allowed it to pat to lapse and the direct consequences have been lives lost and weapons guns being the number one killer of the teens so yeah, it's, there's a lot. I wasn't planning on talking about the disinformation around gun problems today, but it seems to be so, We you, like you said, we're numb to it. We talk about it so much because it happens so much that we, I looked right at my husband back in Sandy Hook happened when it was 2012 or 13, I think. It was, yeah, December 2012, because I was pregnant with my son who was born January 2013. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And I was right before Christmas. And I told my husband, I said, if we don't do something big right now, we never will. We're talking yep. about an elementary school where the children were dismembered and exploded by bullets. If something does not change right now, and this is when Obama was in president, he had right. just won re-election. We never will. And here we are more than 10 years later, and we haven't. The only state that actually took any 
meaningful steps after a mass shooting was Florida under Republican leadership. And of course, they're trying to undo all of that now. But that was recently. We raised the age to purchase guns from 18 to 21. We instituted red flag laws, which there is an argument to be made that those are flagrantly unconstitutional. And I'm not in entirely in disagreement with that argument. Anything that allows the police to seize property or people without due process is a violation of the Constitution. I also recognize the need to have a system in place where you can do that to prevent tragedy. But we did institute red flag laws, which all Republicans now across the country hate. We required additional things in order to be able to get a concealed carry permit and all of the, and we're undoing all of it. But immediately after Parkland, we enacted all of that. Yeah. Let's talk about why they're rolling it back to not only is the two way argument and the open carry thing, another cool thing that's appealing to that far right mindset, but the NRA punished the Republicans in the state of Florida who voted for those measures. And the good example is in my race here in Florida 19 in 2020, that Republican primary had nine folks who are running for it, including two people who were in the Florida legislature during that sh- that vote against or against the assault of rifles and things like that. Byron Donalds voted was one of a handful of legislators who voted against it. And Dane Eagle voted for it. Byron Donald's got the A plus rating from NRA and Dane Eagle did not. He only got an A because yeah, they downgraded, but they downgraded him and they punished him. So they supported Byron Donald's in a very tight race over Dane Eagle because of that vote. And I think that it does go back again to the power of the NRA. And it's not necessarily just the money power people get hung up on that and that's the money helps in a campaign but it's really their marketing and communications and their ability to get voters to do certain things that's far more powerful than the money that they get to the individual candidates it's about yes if you look at two candidates and this is the guy that's your gun guy versus this guy that's what they want and because they were so significantly punished in florida i don't think any of them are going to step out of line again yeah, even Matt Gates had to be something against the NRA when I was running against him. And I got like a C minus or D plus, which is surprising. I don't believe you have a constitutional right to have a gun. F minus. I think a, a Second F-. Amendment. I am one of those people who will actually say that I think the Second Amendment needs to be completely repealed. And to get that grade was a bit surprising. But I think it honestly, I think it was the way I actually suggested questions for their next form. And they wrote back to me saying they were going to add them. (laughs) So it it was my stance, I think, mostly on red flag laws and the deprivation of due process. The comment that I put in there had to do with, I said, were you aware that in most states in the United States, if you're charged with a misdemeanor crime pending trial, regardless of whether or not it's a violent crime, you lose your right to have a weapon to protect yourself. And you should probably ask people whether or not they agree with those laws and those philosophies because a nonviolent offender is being deprived of their second amendment rights who has not been convicted of a crime. That was the question they actually wrote back when they I got my like C minus grade and were like, we're going to have to add this onto the future forms. Thank you very much. What about in Florida? You can't have a medical marijuana card and have your CCW. Yeah. And not that matters anymore because you don't need a concealed carry permit anymore. You just have to have a valid driver's license. So they Wonderful. just, I think they're going to, as soon as DeSantis 
signs it, cancel that law out. I used to have, if you guys are not aware, in the state of Florida, you had to have a concealed carry permit, which required background check. You could not have a marijuana card for non-recreational marijuana, which is of course not legal here yet. But for medical marijuana, you had to take a certification class, which included, frankly, quite minimal instruction and licensing, but it required something. And the permitless concealed carry law that has been introduced undoes all of that. It specifically states that you can have a concealed weapon as long as you carry a driver's license with you while you have it. And if asked to by police, produce that license upon request. That is now the only requirement. Cool. I got the F minus rating. They actually, the NRA created the F minus rating for Moms Demand candidates, which I-, I was too, though. So it was really weird. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm going to just go with it. But see, here, I'm one of those people who I like to consider that I'm fair. It's like, okay, if we're going to follow the laws we actually have on the books, then you can't deprive people of their Second Amendment rights because they've been charged with a mis- nonviolent misdemeanor pending trial. Red flag laws are a flagrant disregard of constitutional rights, especially your civil rights, your right to not be searched or have property seized without due process. And then you get a hearing at some point later. And to that effect, the Baker Act is a huge violation of civil rights as well. And it has been, there are many documented cases in which the Baker Act has been used by ex-spouses or partners to retaliate against their schools. yeah, the schools use them. And so it's sometimes it's I'm just thinking if you the mental health services. the laws, they need to be done fairly. And you can't just pick and choose which parts of the Constitution you're going to follow. But I think we should just change the Constitution <laughs> so that there is no right for you to have a weapon at any point, at any time, regardless of whether or not you're charged with a crime pending trial. And I think I didn't elaborate too much on that point with the gun survey because it didn't ask me. It's uh, you defend the constitution. I'm like, yes, I will. That doesn't mean I don't think we should change part of the constitution. If you change the constitution, then I'll defend the changed constitution. But it was very bizarre. I've been involved with like every town since way back when one of my classmates that I played Quidditch with, with a guy named Stephen Barton was a Rhodes Scholar, was shot in Aurora by James Holmes when biking across the country just happened to stop in Colorado that night to go see that movie it, it's it's not from there wasn't staying for very long and was almost to the coast he finished that bike ride some years later but I wrote a story about him and what he went through this is something I've been passionate about my entire life and so it's yeah it's just bizarre that it, the endorsements came out the way that they did <laughs> My uncle was in the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah, that one is. They were. He was at the in the hotel, and they were shooting the concert. He was not shot, but the woman le- next to her lost lo- next to him lost her life. Stephen he still was is- shot in the face, but thankfully, the AR-15 that James Holmes brought in was cheaply made, and it jammed after it did most of the damage. And he also brought a shotgun. And Stephen was at the back of the theater. And so when the shotgun pellets dispersed, it hit his face, his neck, his chest. He still has some in him that is too close to central nervous system stuff, whatever the technical term is for that. I'm not a doctor to take out. And it's, I talked to him and I wrote about how he just immediately fell forward to the floor. His face felt hot. 
he remembers thinking the way he described it on the phone was so weird. He was like, I just thought, no, I can't die like this. I can't die like this. And how he didn't even realize how bad it was until everybody, like he left, James Holmes stopped and left back out to the parking lot. And he was walking out and people were looking at him like it was bad. His parts of his face were like, and he said that's when he realized how bad it was. And yeah, it's not a good situation. And no. there's no shortage of disinformation. I think that there's a special place mm -hmm. in people like Ted Cruz who in these moments politicize it while diminishing it and lying. So Ted Cruz right. is notorious for claiming that if we just had police officers at every school. And let's also remind sure. people that this was at a private school in Tennessee. So they wouldn't tech or they at least if you make the argument for taxpayer dollars, have access to police officers full-time 24-7 walking down every single hallway. Not that it's a place that we should even go to, but it's also a lie. There were multiple academic journals that reviewed whether or not the presence of a security guard on campus has any deterrent effect whatsoever at stopping a school shooting and found out it does not. You place that with the very recent and famous examples of which we had police officers or armed security guards at schools while shootings were happening and they did right. nothing. Parkland, that was the situation as the security guard, at least he was on his own for most of it. But then you go to Uvalde. Right. And you had an entire police squad who apparently are now claiming the reason that they did not stop while he was, they were listening to mm -hmm. him kill children they were afraid because they knew he had an AR-15. An entire police department was there and did nothing. The Santa Fe incident, you have incidents in which there are active security members. It's everything from as large as a giant concert in Las Vegas and hotel security right. to churches where the police are nearby. And it's just, it does nothing. Not that we a should good guy in the, with a gun trope is bullshit. Around our children. Like we're, they're not going to prison camps. And without an AR-15, people wouldn't be able to do this. You can't get that many rounds off. You're not going to be able to just spray a place like a giant outside concert with bullets and kill, was it 60? Bump stock too, yeah. Seven? Was it 67? Let me look that up actually real quick. And then I think 200 and something were injured. Because yeah, he had the weapons six with the bump stock. Yeah, 61 were killed and 413 were injured by gunfire or shrapnel. A total of 867 were injured, partly because once things happened, Stampede. people were panicking and trying to get out of this open air space that a guy literally sat in a hotel and just sprayed bullets. And that's, you can't do that with a handgun. You can't do that with knives. And so it's, my husband and I were talking about this morning about why people keep going to these elementary schools and why pick elementary schools, why go for like the most innocent victims you could possibly find. Next is going to be fucking nurseries. But Jake brought up a good point. He said, if you go to a college or a high school, you're going to have people who are physically fit and could present a potential challenge to you. If you start shooting mm -hmm. up, they'll fight back. And most of these school shooters are not physically fit people. If you look at Adam Zan Lanza, the Newtown shooting, now that was the other thing. Stephen Barton was from right outside of Newtown. So after he finished recovering from his summer 2012 shooting in the face, he went home to do therapy and all that. And there was a shooting at the elementary school right down the road from him. Awesome. The worst, one of the worst mass shootings in American history. 
think I got bad luck. Jesus. But yeah, so it's it's the guns, guys. Guns. Yeah. It's 100% and, the guns. And people talk, oh, oh, it's the media. It's video games. It's this. No. There is a legitimate argument to make that people who have major psychological issues and are exposed to repeat violence, simulated violence, things like that, can be emboldened or desensitized to said violence. Things like Adam Lanza, people who have maybe issues with dealing with reality or being able to perceive reality versus fantasy. But that's the other thing. They have these video games in every fucking country on the planet. They right. have the same movies in every right. country in the on the planet, except right. for maybe some of your authoritarian ones. But the same media is available, music, everything that they blame this on is available right. in every other country. Every country has mental illness. Right. There, however, there are some countries that are not dealing with mental illness in the healthiest or most robust manner. The United States is one of those countries within the developed world that has one of the largest problems with psychiatric care for everything from taboos and social stigmas to lack of health insurance, which is Access a huge problem care. in this country, yep. to psychiatry shortages across the country. You own a pediatric psychiatrist anywhere west of Tallahassee, plan to wait six months because that's how long it's going to take. And even if your child is having a psychological crisis, it's going to take months before they can set up and start seeing somebody regularly because yep. the shortage is that severe. Yep. We only have one psychiatric inpatient facility for children in the entire panhandle. And keep in mind, there's two congressional districts in the panhandle. So it's not like it's just a tiny place with no people. We have Pensacola, we have Destin, you have Fort Walton Beach. I live in Navarre, which has 40,000 people, which is the same size as Biloxi, which has two pediatric psychiatric inpatient facilities. Wow. And it's just, there is the argument that we don't treat mental health, but mental illness exists everywhere. Right. It's, you can't just blame that either. The only difference between us and other developed countries with who share all of our cultural stuff is that lack of access to healthcare, especially mental health care, and guns. Because when the Sandy Hook equivalent, not even as bad, really, but when a similar situation happened in Scotland, the UK banned guns outright. You know how many mass shootings they've had since then? Zero. Zero. This is the one that, who is the tennis player? Andy Murray was in elementary school, at the elementary school, where a man came in with a semi-automatic weapon and killed a lot of children and teachers. And the country immediately took action and since then has had zero mass shootings. Yeah. But you know what the difference is, too? What? Between the United States and those countries? The United States is the largest producer and exporter of weapons in the entire world. Second, That's Russia's second. Okay. <laughs> so we can roll all the way back to Reagan. <laughs> Even though Reagan... Reagan. Reagan didn't think that it was a good idea to give every Tom, Dick, and Harry on the street a gun either. However... It is the arms race that has led us to this point. It is the industry. Fetishism of weapons and of the military. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's what this is. It's why you can run on the street here. You can go down the street and you trucks that say assault life and have the gun on the back. It's this empowerment thing for this group of folks who feel very disempowered and they feel that the guns are the reason that they're going to feel good about themselves, right? They believe in this crime narrative that they're being fed and that they need to buy these weapons. They also believe in the fallacy 
fantasy of the good guy with the gun. And it's simply not the case. And they don't really, and also because not only just it's the disinformation, but it's the disinformation of the actual circumstance under which we're living. Like people have built up this narrative in their mind that they're living in a safer place because of these guns. But we just saw guns surpass car accidents, which, by the way, had been the leading cause of death for children by leaps and bounds, too, right? This is not, it's you have a handful of childhood diseases and then cars, and we take that risk. It's, what do they call it? Assumed risk, right? You, just by purely being American, your assumed risk because of our gun culture is so much significantly higher than it is anywhere else in the world that does not have this culture, that does not have the access to weapons for every single person. And here's the other thing that that I know that Republicans love to throw out. I'm going to blow up right now, is that they, like your friend Tim Burchett, right, who says, oh, there's always going to be criminals. So they're always going to have guns. Guess what? The percentage of people who are actually criminals and actually violent criminals is pretty dang small. So even if- And most of these people never have a criminal record to begin with. James Holmes was a, by all accounts, brilliant PhD student studying, I think he was going to be a neuroscientist and had a psychotic break due to a very real diagnosis of schizophrenia had no criminal history. This is the one case that really exemplifies the mental illness argument of it because he legitimately has schizophrenia. This is the guy who shot my friend in the face. I've had very long conversations with my friend about how he feels or what he feels the proper punishment is or how he feels towards that individual. And I try to always be measured by, it's really up to the victims and their families, how they feel about this that should drive the conversation. But uh, yeah, that was the one major case of mental illness. No criminal history whatsoever. He went on bulkammo.com and there was no limit. It's bulk ammo. You can buy as much as you want. Dyed his hair green, dressed himself up in like a combat suit, taped the exit door thing that automatically shuts and locks from the theater, went back to his car. He bought tickets. The only empty seat in the theater because it was the premiere was his seat. And went out to his car, got the stuff, came back. And he said it was like in the first 15 minutes of the movie, there was like a very loud action scene with lots of shooting. At first, Stephen thought that it was a stunt. Like he saw smoke. I think he, the guy threw like a smoke bomb in there or something. And then her gunshots, but couldn't tell if it was the movie or if somebody was just playing around because it was a midnight premiere of Batman, which was a highly anticipated film. And you know, so it's, yeah, it is that's the one time that you can say that. And he still wouldn't have been stopped by a background check. Sure. The kid from Newtown, Adam Lanza, his mom got him those guns for for Christmas. That's why he had them because his mom bought them. But he also was 18 years old or 19 years old, had no criminal history. The right. Las Vegas shooter, no criminal history. Even background checks, as great as they would be for certain types of gun violence, won't stop the kind of profile of a mass shooter in these yeah. kinds of situations. And so it's, it really comes down to get rid of the guns. We did not have these guns for a very long time. We actually banned them for 10 years from 1994 until 2004. Mm-hmm. Nope. The world did not end. We were not taken over by an authoritarian government. You could not buy these weapons unless you had them. And then you had to register them as you already having access to them. And we had no major mass shootings with an AR-15. Lo and behold, 
The law expires. Bush lets it expire. It yeah. was not reinstituted under Obama, which is another thing. But eventually he did try, but by then the Tea Party had taken over. And so it we went through this without having these weapons on the streets and nobody missed them. The world did not end. The country was not at risk. You're not going to, if you have an AR-15 by your bedside to protect you every night, you're putting your own children and your own family in danger. And so yeah. if you're going to properly lock and store them as they are, what makes you think you're going to have the time to go to your lockbox, unlock it, figure out what's going on and not accidentally shoot a member of your own family? The logistics just don't work out. It's ridiculous. Right. And I wish that we had the show when Uvalde happened. Oh, my God. I don't know if anybody remembers the initial publicity around that story, but the governor gave all this credit to the police for putting a stop to it and doing such an awesome yep. job, even though there was the story about the video, actually, of the parents listening to it happen when the police were doing nothing and trying to scale the fence to go save their children and police handcuffing those mothers and putting them in the back of the car. There was the guy who was getting his haircut at the barbershop, like, right down the street whose wife called him and told him there was a shooting. He grabs a gun from the back of his truck, goes over there to put a stop to it. I mean, it, the whole thing was just lies. It, they were trying to spin this as, oh, the police did their job. Thank you, the police. And it turns out they were the worst villains of this whole thing. They were fully armed, fully trained. You had the special vest that they got off this big grant. They even had a picture on Facebook bragging about it. And were too scared to go confront a man that they were listening, listening to children dying while they were standing there with guns. And that would have been a great story to dissect and see just, that was intentional though. The lies were more intentional because the real story was so fucked up that nobody wanted right. that out right away. But yeah, it's the praise for the cops was off color to me from the beginning because the only other story other than the cops being these brave heroic people who stormed and stopped the shooting was the story about the mother who was handcuffed. And that was because somebody released the video. And I was thinking, that's not right. Something is off with that. If, why? It's like, maybe this is one rogue police officer, but then you can see from the video that there are multiple parents screaming and crying and begging them for to do something. And they wouldn't be doing that if the mm -hmm. cops were in there while the shooting was happening, trying to fight to put a stop to it. Doing their job. Yeah, that is disinformation. We can go. We can talk about how much disinformation there is around the police to to begin with. Just about that they get these grants right from the federal government, and sometimes those grants are to get used military equipment. Right. Yeah. We can talk about that militarization and how that what we call it safety theater helps or you're supposed to make people feel good right but what are they really going to use it they're going to use it against citizens at some point in time and does it really help them stop any of this stuff no it doesn't it just gives the illusion of that and it's militarized our police which when they want to use it they're going to use it to do things like break down the mentally ill man's door like what happened here in lee county and then they put it on fucking tiktok to a video they use this, they called it the hammer. It was a, it pushed, it pushed through the guy's door and then they put it on TikTok. It's, that is its own disinformation campaign in terms of what they're trying to do to get people to believe that one, they need this level of militarization in their police departments to feel safe and then to cover up when they fail. Yep. 
And it goes to that larger aim of trying to glorify a very much, ironically, police state type situation in which our schools are hardened prisons where armed guards are walking the halls, which there's also a lot of substantial research about how officers being armed inside of a school actually present a greater hazard to children long-term and across the whole country than any mass shooter could, because they will do things like they've done in Florida and has been reported multiple times, like handcuff five and six-year-old children, threaten them, tase teenagers who are being stupid or talk back, and it's they're a danger. And yeah, I can hammer everything looks like a nail. So they're trained yeah. in these types of situations, and that's how they react. And yeah, we've created prisons for our children. And I come from a very divided view on this because. My dad was a sheriff's deputy. Brother is currently a cop. My sister's first husband was a police officer and his dad was the chief of police in my hometown. So I have a lot of family who are in law enforcement. And then I had obviously the very inexcusable, disgusting interaction with police when they raided my home without a warrant and pointed guns at my two-year-old daughter and my 11-year-old son. So I always, we get a lot of people who assume that people like me don't have family who are police. My brother was a cop who worked in Hattiesburg, which is one of the Mm -hmm. most dangerous Mm -hmm. cities to work in as a police officer because they're so broke that they don't even have partners. He was expected to answer like DV calls by himself, which is the most dangerous call for any officer to take. Mm -hmm. And he was so afraid for his own life there that he moved to a state that has standards in policing from Mississippi to the literal opposite side of the country. They just think that we don't because when we talk about institutions police institutions were very harsh and critical that we have no personal experience with that or don't care about people who are within that institution. But that's no different than any other organization that we criticize. And just because I criticize the stock market doesn't mean I don't know people who trade stocks. It's a ridiculous assertion that all of us liberals are elites whose families are rich and therefore none of them have to be cops and none of them have to go to the military. And I'm like, I grew up white trash and poor in South Mississippi. You can check your fucking privilege at my fucking door. That's what I was going to say. I was like, actually, when you are a lower income person, right, the police department, military are some of the only social mobility, economic social and social mobility things that are available for folks. And it doesn't we we hope that our family members are acting with ethical standards, but that doesn't mean that the institution themselves that they're working for was doing things that are in, inappropriate as well. It's inappropriate to have military equipment for small town police areas. It's just not necessary, but they get grants for it and they get it, right? And yeah, I think it's the critique of how, what we're doing with these particular institutions as well, not necessarily that we don't have personal ties to them. Yeah. And they can't separate that because they see the criticism of any institution as a criticism of all of those who make it up without realizing the infrastructure that these institutions are built upon and the kind of ingratiated racism and violence that exists within. It would be great if we could all just communicate on the same wavelength and try to understand each other's viewpoints without making judgments about who our families are or what experience we have with X, Y, or Z. The probably the reason that I care so much since I was a kid about gun violence is that when I was nine or 10 years old in Mississippi, one of my friends, my sister's best friend, who was two years younger than me, so she would have been seven, maybe, watched her dad kill her mom right in front of her with a sawed off shotgun. 
then she was put into the foster care system in Alabama and life did not go well. First she was with her grandmother actually. And then her grandmother was already old and she died like a year later. And then she got put in the foster care system, hooked on drugs and it destroyed many lives. And it was a domestic violence situation. And it just, ever since then, I remember seeing her for the first time after it happened and just dead, just a child who was had her childhood stolen from her and she became an orphan. And so ever since then, I've been acutely aware of domestic violence in the mix of guns, especially, yep. but as I got older, obviously was more aware of it. And the crazy thing is now, like, I was watching something the other day and it was filmed like in 2005 or something. And it was like one of those cop dramas and they were interviewing people and they said, oh, somebody heard what they sounded like a car backfiring at like 2 a.m. Oh, this could have been gunshots because people didn't know what a gunshot sound like. And so they compared it to a car backfiring. And I realized today with young people that's flipped, most of us can't tell you what a car backfiring is, but we can tell you what a gunshot is. And this show written 20 years later would be completely different. And how sad that was as a statement about society that nobody young would mistake gunfire and be like, I think I heard a car backfiring. So now that I heard gunshots at 2 a.m., they would know. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. Cars yeah. don't backfire anymore. But what yeah, I did, I was like, we would have no idea. If you were trying to find somebody whose car backfired, we probably couldn't help you. would be like, well, I heard some gunshots. That might have been it. That, that it would be the complete opposite. And that's such yeah. a sad cultural statement for us that yeah. it's so familial. Yeah. And the fact that I know so many people have been shot, yep. including in mass shootings, is yep. horrendous. Yep. It's just, it's very sad. Yeah. Th- this is where it's a good time to drop a little bit of knowledge too about weapons, right? Because, yeah, the mass shootings get the coverage and discussion and you start talking about the AR-15s and those high power weaponries and how really there's really no need for them. But when we're talking about the statistics of it now becoming the leading cause of death for children and teenagers, the number one killer, the thing that happens when people have access to weapons is they commit suicide. That is the leading cause of death because of firearms. I think double the amount of times of people that are murdered or accidentally die. Right. And then you talk- it makes it easy and it makes your chances of success much higher. The chances of success, that's right. Because a lot of times, and it's suicide is often more impulsive than people think it is. It's not always a manifesto and written out. It's, it's, can be very impulsive. If you have a weapon there, it can really make that a much more dire scene. But also just by having a weapon in the house, how much more at risk you are for accidental death because of that firearm. And not to mention the domestic violence. That's the yes. next leading cause of death is you're, you are likely to be killed by somebody that you know with that weapon in your vicinity. If you're and a woman, women, or at least this used to be the statistic a few years ago, but it used to be that if you were a woman and you owned a gun, you were 17 times more likely to be killed with that gun than you were right. to ever use it in self-defense. Now yeah. that ratio may have increased over the last, I don't know, I probably did that study like eight years ago, but yeah. it, it's such a, like we mentioned with targeting trans people versus white men who commit mass shootings, it's so out of proportion that it's yeah. really inappropriate to make that comparison or draw that comparison. Or And it partly, if you're somebody who you know is going to be targeted, if you're like a politician or like me, who is dealing with very real death threats, 
it might make you feel safer to have a weapon in case, because you're actually at risk of someone coming to assassinate you. In that situation, it's more reasonable, but most things that involve like home invasions and robberies are opportunistic. They happen during the daytime when people right. know that you're at work. They usually happen at places where the doors are unlocked because it's easier and it's quicker. Right. And that's really what people who steal from people's houses want. They want somebody to leave their door unlocked, go to work. So nobody's there. There's no risk. They're going to open it up. They're going to take some shit and they're going to go to the next one. And it's this idea. You're likely to have your gun stolen. Then yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, it is. And or leave it in your car, which happened to one of my neighbors who kept his handgun in his car unlocked. And our we probably got robbed from our car like three different times because I have one of those old school doesn't have power lock or windows cars. I still have it. I still drive it. But it was the cheapest, the literal cheapest car you could buy. And I had them take out all the power stuffs from the steering wheel and the power windows. So it would be just like 800 bucks cheaper. That's how broke I was. And so if you didn't lock one of the doors manually, then you could get access. And people, probably teenagers would come through. They would rummage through the cars on my dead end street at night, just shuffle, throw everything in the bag and just leave. My neighbor left a handgun in his car and left the car, both the glove box unlocked and the car unlocked. And so they stole his handgun. And I remember thinking how insane that was because this happened after, or sorry, before I was raided because I thought he was maybe some kind of gun nut crazy person. But after I was raided about two hours later, he actually came by my house and gave me his computer so that I could keep doing my work and ended up being like this super nice guy who was very distrustful of the government and had been following me very closely. And I thought that was weird because he had never spoken to me before. And so I was like, I just didn't want you to have to miss your job because this is when I was doing it independently. We need you to keep working. And I was like, really, you? Of all the people on the street, that's you. Okay, I guess I misjudged. But, you know, still, that handgun was then stolen and probably sold to somebody who can't legally buy one. And so it goes. The U.S. legal arms trade is the number one fueling factor of the global, both legal and illegal arms trade across the borders. And there have been multiple instances of the gun industry itself being involved with incentivizing gun dealers to flood the streets with guns they can't push or move so that other people become afraid of the amount of guns that are on the street and then go buy them legitimately. And it, the whole thing is they're crooks and they're getting people killed. Yeah. They're trying to get, they're trying to make money. Yeah. The U S arms industry fuels oppression around the world. If that's true you can trace the weapons or people freak out the criminals all get the guns i was like where do you think they get them yeah where do you think they're getting them the from? people who legally bought them it's oh my god how are you this dumb like mexico is now suing us because our guns are flooding their streets uh-huh. that is how bad it is that it's just it's insane to me like the restrictions that we have on like producing and selling adderall are so intense that but if you look at guns i don't god you have to go see a doctor like every three months of your life for the same medication you've been on for 10 years in order to get your prescriptions. They can only be manufactured. And what's crazy is big pharma is a pretty big, is pays a lot of money to Congress and federal government too. And even with all that, there are massive restrictions on a drug that is necessary for millions of Americans just to function at work or at school. Mm-hmm. And we have to jump through hoops just to get access to it every three months. Yep. And yet we can't even fill it more than two days early in the state of Florida. You have to wait until within two days when you're running out. So if you're taking a week vacation and you're not close enough to your refill, good luck. You're going to be out of your regular medication for days. And guns, you just, as long as you have a driver's license, you can carry one around now. 
Fantastic. We did certainly dove down the the guns rabbit hole here. I think we will be remiss if we didn't say to the families and the community affected in Nashville that we, our hearts go out to them. I know that people say thoughts and prayers aren't worth shit if you're not doing policy and change, but folks like Rebecca and I are, it's true. I'm a very, I'm one of those people who's, because I'm an atheist, sensitive about when people insert God into situations. Yeah. But I don't think there is an ill intent behind people saying that they're praying for something. Unless you obviously mean it like in a bless your heart type situation. I'll be praying for you, sweet. Now that's offensive. But I mentioned this to somebody from a church who wanted to help my sister. And I said, I don't mean to be offensive, but I've been in situations similar to this where I've been helping friends go through something similar. And they all have told the mothers that this is God's will. And I said, and I'm pretty sure if I put a woman who says that next to my sister right now, bitch ain't getting out of the hospital room. So we ain't doing that. She will probably kill you if you tell her baby being hooked up to all those machines is God's will. It's not even meant to be ill. It's just how some people cope with things. True. And so I think I think thoughts and prayers are natural. I'm not a Christian person. I don't have any faith, but I'm absolutely in the way that other people mean it, praying for them. I'm hoping in my heart that they can find, you know, a way to heal as much yeah, as is possible for that. I wish that I could just take away their pain. I think that's what a lot of people mean when they say that is I just wish, like, I feel what you're feeling as much as another stranger can. And I wish you didn't have to feel this and I feel pain for you. And I want you to not feel so much. That's what a lot of people mean when they say thoughts and prayers. But if you have that and then your politics put more people in that situation, then it's disingenuous. If you're not also fighting to prevent anyone else from having that situation, then it's disingenuous. It's just empty words. And yeah, that's a great clarification. But I think that it is fair to say that they didn't deserve it. And I had the names Evelyn, Haley, William, Cynthia, Catherine, and Mike are those who had passed in that shooting. Them and their families did not deserve this fate. No and I do think that it is our responsibility to, to talk about what had happened and to make changes. Because I, like you, Rebecca, have been feeling... Like if Sandy Hook didn't move people to act, then nothing will. And that has been the case, but that doesn't mean that it can't change. And that's where Moms Demand Action came out of in every town and the New Town Alliance. All these organizations are working to stop this madness. And I'm hoping that at some point our actions will break through and until then sending love and positivity to those who are and everyone who's been exposed to or suffered from gun violence because it's a it's a problem that we know exists and we know will exist tonight and tomorrow and every day until we do something about it we both ran for congress to try to do something about it but it doesn't if you're trying to find a way to help it doesn't have to be that big of a move you could run for local office or you can join a school organization that's trying to find ways to talk to students more about seeing the signs of when something might happen and who they can speak to and providing counseling to children who are at risk there's a million different ways that we can each chip in individually but collectively we do need the law to change it's like the environmental argument where people try to make it individualistic 
turning the water off while you brush your teeth is fantastic. And yes, if everybody do, does it, it will slightly reduce the amount of water that we waste. But until the laws change for everyone, no amount of little difference is going to change the country. It's yeah. that's depressing, but it should also be motivating because it means that we could take control of this situation and do something about it. Yep. You certainly can. Thank All you right, for joining guys. us here today. Misinformational Rebecca Jones. Appreciate your thoughts on this. I've been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier. Check out more on bigmouthmediafl.com. Subscribe and help us out. $4.99 a month helps us keep the lights on. $49.99 a year. We'll make sure that we have a good running start here because independent media is under attack here in Florida. And Hey, one of the biggest people they want to silence is Rebecca Jones, misinformational herself. So help us help her get the message out and keep fighting the growing autocracy here in Florida. See you next Thank time. You everyone. Guys. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for joining misinformational with Rebecca Jones brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.